Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all staying grounded amidst all the chaos and the noise and all of the upheaval and sort of just crisis that's been bubbling up in 2020. It's been a crazy year so far, and I hope you're taking the time to sit with, connect with, and really be with your highest self, the part of you that loves who you are at your core and creates the place of authenticity and truth. For today's guest, I am so, so, so excited to be introducing my dear friend, Miss Christy Warfel. So Christy, it's really hard for me to describe uh, this incredible human being uh, and the impact that she has had on my life. I first met Christy at a consciousness retreat that she hosts, uh, and I've attended several of them now, and she's been so instrumental in my own personal growth and in arriving into my own capacity to live a more full, authentic, and rich life. And I'm so excited to be introducing her today. So Christy is the founder of Sangha, which is an ecosystem that blends the art and science of human transformation. They create peak experiences that excite and inspire humanity to evolve into their best selves through studios. So they create these studios that are almost like immersed in sound, visual art, and the latest cutting-edge technology to open your subconscious mind and rewire your brain for creativity, which is really, I mean, I've never experienced anything like it. And if you guys are interested in what that means, just go to songatribe.com. We have all those links available in the show notes. But you know, I just love this conversation with Christy. It was so rich, so beautiful for us to explore everything from authenticity to creating a life of desire to how to get back into your body. I think that's one of the things that I've really been working on over the last seven or eight months is, you know, I'm traditionally a pretty heady person. Like I think a lot, I'm constantly logical, I'm constantly stuck in my brain and my mind, but really the body is where all of our wisdom exists. Inside of the body is where all of our 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 memories, our emotions, our, our sort of like our identity, our rules, the subconscious and the conscious ones that we operate by, everything is stored in our body. And so as a society, we're pretty detached from our bodies, but when we can engage in practices, when we can engage in rituals, when we can engage in things and doings that can bring us back into our body and learn, and we can teach ourselves to trust the wisdom that exists in our body, the things that make us feel good, if we can learn how to feel again, if we can really create an integrated experience between our mind and our body, that's, I think, how we can emerge into this life with more fullness, with more richness, and experience all of it, not just the good, but also the bad, with grace, beauty, and love. And so I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It was recorded at Christie's home, which is beautiful in Utah. I uh, just attended one of her retreats, and I felt called to just sit here and record her brilliance for all of you. So uh, you guys are going to love Christy, and I hope that this is just an inspiring reminder to to not run from yourself. I know it's hard. I know there's a lot going on right now. I know that sometimes we make choices that we're not proud of. Sometimes our life feels like it's in upheaval from top to bottom. But 
when we can create the courage to be patient with ourselves, when we can create the courage to sit in the suck, when we can create the courage and the capacity to feel all of life, um, everyone in our lives are better for it. So enjoy this episode. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to us, go to iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps that you choose to tune to us on. Uh, subscribing just means that every single time uh, we release a new episode or new content or share a new guest perspective, it drops right into your phone. Go to rajana.com forward slash stay grounded to be part of a deeper conversation, whether it's emails from me or content in our communities, whatever you choose to engage in. And uh, enjoy this episode. Take notes, listen to it as many times as you need to, and just remind yourself that you're not alone. This podcast has been so life-changing for me, and I'm so grateful that all of you choose to tune into this show every single week. The messages, the reviews, the things you guys send me, they're not lost on me, and I'm just so appreciative and grateful to be surrounded by such an amazing group of individuals who are all looking to feel deeper, live with more courage, and expand into the world they want to be in. So without further ado, guys, enjoy my dear friend, Miss Christy Warfel. Hi, Christy. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I've been selfishly wanting to do this interview for a while now. And I specifically wanted to wait until we were in person to do it just because your message is so, it, it brings me back into the present moment and it allows me to sink into my body and be here. And I think that's what makes you such a special human being. So I'm so excited to be dancing with you like this. Same. I feel like communication and sharing stories is very similar to dancing and it allows like both people to really share an experience. So I'm so glad that we did this in person. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I wanted to kind of start with one thing that I find very special about you. So before we started this interview, you wanted to take about 20 or 30 minutes to go meditate mm -hmm. and really kind of sink into your body. What does sort of feeling into your body mean? I think most of us, we're living in our heads, we're constantly trying to think about what to do next, where to go next, how to do it, what could or couldn't happen. But it seems like you're creating space by just sinking in, not going out. So can you describe what that is? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I answer that question, there's so many factors, but what I like to kind of distill down for me personally is that we have... I believe that we have a spirit that kind of helps us navigate this world and our soul really has a plan for us and our body is the vehicle and our hearts are like the turn signals. And so our emotions give us direction. Like, should I go left or should I go right? Am I on the right path? You know, what does my heart really want? And that's how our, our spirit kind of communicates our direction in life. And so if we're in our mind, our mind is beautiful. It allows us to take information and create strategy and think before we react, you know, think about our impact on other people and our situation. But when we overuse our mind, when those four aspects of ourself, our heart, our mind, our body, and our spirit are imbalanced, if we're just always relying on one aspect of self, then we're truly not coming in wholeness. Mm -hmm. And so if we can actually drop into our body and feel what our body is doing, it kind of allows me to get out of what I think I should be doing or the perceptions of others and just really allowing me to listen to 
what does my spirit want to say to you? What does my heart want to want to communicate? And so then I don't stress about if I'm saying the right thing or, you know, how it sounds to other people, if that makes sense. It's truly coming from me. And I think that's the beautiful thing because so many things in our minds are learned from others. The beliefs, the cultures, the parents, the society, the school, the teachers. I mean, everything is up here. And so if we're constantly in our minds, it just feels like we're constantly making decisions based on other people's rules, other people's expectations, society's standards, if you would. And it can be really scary to step away from that. How did you begin building the courage to start trusting your body and the messages and the, and the wisdom and the insight or maybe even the intuition that sort of lives in that space? So this is really fascinating, but I truly believe that I went through a lot in school, which who doesn't? And I think we all have a story and my particular experience of the friends and the relationships that I had. And even, you know, with my parents at the time, um, it was, it was a struggle. And so I really went into myself and I just started thinking, you know, there's so much going on. And, and I saw a lot of kind of like the stuff happening at school where kids would talk behind each other's backs and, and they were nice to each other's face sometimes, but not always on the other flip, flip side of the coin. And observing that and being an observer kind of allowed me to pull in a little bit for a while. And I became pretty introspective. And I think that was the foundation. And obviously now I have a beautiful community around me and amazing relationships and, and things even with my family that have totally been recreated. But I think that that young time for me really allowed me to start trusting myself and to listening to what I wanted and what I had to say. So it started there. But having the courage to listen to yourself when you're involved in a community and when you have other relationships that you really value is much different. So I had to recreate that trust multiple times in my life as my relationships got bigger and stronger and better. I actually had to start deepening my relationship with myself so that I didn't get lost in community. So it's been interesting, but yeah, definitely started with that. And I think nobody knows you like you do. And we can put on a really great face with other people, right? And that's a beautiful thing, but I can really be honest with myself. Nobody knows my life like I do. Nobody knows my experience like I do. So when it comes to really like evolving, I think we need to really check in with ourselves and have enough love for ourselves to be honest about what do I really want? How am I really showing up? Why do you think honesty with self is so hard for people? We're brought up in a society where we need to be right and we need to know what we're doing and where we're going with our lives and our careers what are you going to be and how are you going to do it? What's your plan to get there? And I think the world's evolving a little bit. Like we're opening up to maybe receiving the unexpected. But I think there is such a cultural expectation on us. Like so many people have it. And so when it comes to being honest, it's not that we don't want to be. It's sometimes that we're just afraid. Maybe what if I don't know the answer? Or what if I'm wrong? And we're in a culture where it's hard to be wrong or it's it's hard to make big mistakes. And I think maybe it's a little easier in the entrepreneurial community because 
I think a common attitude is fail fast or fail forward or, you know, we're okay with it. So that's helped. But I think for some people, they're just used to having family that work a community where they can't not know. And it's not safe to not know their answers or to be wrong or to branch out and try something really big, like changing careers and then not liking it. And the fear of how that might make them look or how it might, you know, ruin their credibility or, you know, or maybe make them feel like a failure. So I think it's societal. And as we start to give people permission to figure themselves out, try things that might be outside of their comfort zone and make it all right for it to not be the thing that is forever or that lights them up. I think we start giving people permission to experiment with their authenticity. And so it's, it's kind of like celebrating people when they find out also what isn't working for them would help give people permission to be honest with themselves. I think there's a cultural shift that just needs to happen around the idea of patience, right? Like when we give ourselves space and we learn to then give other people space and we give the ones around us space to, to not have it figured out like that patient, patience is like a byproduct of self-love. Right? Like, and sometimes by practicing patience, you are practicing self-love. And by practicing the ability for you to give yourself some slack and explore a little bit and take a few steps back so that you can potentially take, you know, 10 or 15 steps forward. I think that's really where it starts, for me at least, like that's really where it started. Like I had yeah. to give myself the permission to turn everything around. And I had to give myself the permission to not have it right. Yeah. And I think when you when you give yourself the permission inside of that patience and then you get it wrong and it doesn't hurt you or the world's not ending or for some reason your friends are still your friends and your parents still love you or you still like it I think the fear of the unknown right like the more we can dance with that and the more we can be patient with ourselves as we dance in that it creates this beautiful opportunity for us to then explore what authenticity even is. When you say authenticity, like what what comes up for you when that word is sort of used in your own life and, and the lives of the ones you love? Yeah, thank you. Well, I love that you brought up the patience piece because that took me years to develop the comfort around and the trust in patience. Yeah. And, you know, I used to judge myself when I was younger for getting off my path and really those side roads, you know, I took some, I, I started college all over again for interior design before I started this company. And really I was having fun playing with the energy of my environment. And it helped me see that as much as I love my environment, I love the body and the experiential stuff that we're creating so much more. And, and it almost forced me into this deep dive to like fully embrace the path that I'm on. So there's no question in the back of my mind of what am I doing? Is this the right road? I know 100% that I'm just all in. So that being patient with stepping off your, your path or not, maybe not in the right way is really powerful. And so it's given me a lot of patience for others to explore their authenticity and coming back to that. It's, there's an interesting thing where when we talk about the stages of awakening, the first stage is when we're in scarcity and, and it really is like a fight or flight. So we're, we're just taking care of our basic needs 
And I like to give people the concept of like, when you think about when you graduate high school, at least for me, I was trying to find a job and supporting myself with a place to live. And I really only had time to respond and react and try to provide. I was just trying to pay my bills and make the rent and get by. And I didn't have a lot of time for for like, what do I really want to do? You know, and then you get to the next level of awakening and you look at what are my patterns and my programmings and the belief systems that I acquired from my family? And so you've got your basic needs taken care of. You're not in a fearful place. You're not reacting to everything in your environment, but you're still programmed and you're still running these thoughts that might not be yours, you know? And, and I think in my late twenties and even some of my early thirties, I was still thinking and believing that I was at choice. But when you don't really consider where you picked up your belief structures from, where you figured out your value and your worth or where all those concepts came from, you're still not really in complete choice. You're, you're choosing based on a set of parameters that are, is a very small box. So you're confined. And so then when you start to understand where did these programs come from, now you start to expand in a spherical nature and and authenticity to me, there's even, I feel, an expanded version of authenticity, which is when it's we become our higher selves, we start living in our purpose. But but really choosing authenticity is the key to start stepping into finding your purpose because you you begin to feel desire for the first time with no attachments. Oh, that's so good, yeah. And so it's that, it's that feeling of like, wow, I'm just doing this regardless of whatever else happens in life, whatever, you know, whether it brings me money or it doesn't, or it gets me the guy or it doesn't, or the girl, or, or it creates a company or not. Like it just feels so good to be in the moment experiencing what I'm experiencing. And so I'm going to follow that. And when we can, we, we can be brave enough to start following that breadcrumb trail. And experiencing the things that truly just bring us desire without attachment or without expectation or obligation. Now we start truly embracing our authenticity. And that is kind of the path to our purpose and the path to true awakening or like our higher selves. And so, so I think authenticity isn't the be all end all because I think once we've graduated from authenticity, right? I can be very self-expressive. I can be a creative individual who is in my own expression, but I don't give back to the greater good. And I'm not using that, that unique divine essence of mine to really like give back to the world. And I'm not contributing that self. I'm almost like keeping it for me. And it's a great place to be. It's so exciting to finally find ourselves for the first time, just who we are, who we want to be without any other judgment. And then there's this beautiful unfolding where once we become who we want to be, we can actually take that full self-expression. It's almost like a work of art and it becomes our Picasso. It becomes our, you know, our, it becomes the painting that we give back to the world and it fits into the greater good. So I think authenticity really is the gateway to our purpose and our highest expression. I'm so glad you brought up desire because I think most of my life has been really driven by subconscious needs, obligations, expectations, promises that I didn't even make my, I made subconsciously without realizing I was making them. And 
and I was really trying to find my purpose in it, but I, I never felt truly connected to my life. Like my life didn't feel like it was just on fire. But when you begin to sort of unlayer fear or the expectations and you contrast that to the other spectrum, which is desire, I think that's when you start to really taste the rainbow and taste the magic and taste the wonder of who you are. Because desire, I feel like desire plays by a whole different set of rules. Yes. Like what you need to do versus what you want to do. Like what you need to do is almost like, or what you don't want to do versus what you want to do. Like that, that, that energy is so different. It's a pulling energy. And when you feel pulled and you're checking in with yourself, is this pulling me towards where I want to go? Is this pulling me towards what I want to be? Is this person making me feel happy or not happy? And then you start to enter that experience with a line of questioning that allows you to discern between what's true for you and what's not. That then creates such a powerful playground to then emerge even in your work, in your relationships, in yourself, in your health and everything. It's just, it's, it's so much more interconnected. And that's one of my favorite parts actually about your life in general. Like it's one of my favorite things. Like I, I, I admire like especially the work you're doing with Sangha and like how everything is so connected, like the way you sit inside of the studio, the way you conduct sessions, like the way you're creating and taking people on journeys, like the way you've built this beautiful home, your relationship, your friendships with your, with your friends and your family. Like it's like, I see the common thread and the common thread is you. Thank you. It's the essence. Like you're not changing who you are in one area of your life to be, something or not something. It's just, there's one you, you're the common denominator and you're showing up fully in desire. And as a result, everything else in your life is almost like aligning itself like a magnet. All the things that don't serve are falling and all the things that do are rising. And as a result of all that rising, you're rising even more. It's like, there's like a, like an invisible support system. That's just pushing you into your next creation. And I think that's so possible for so many people. It's interesting that you say that because it is so possible and it goes back to that patience and asking, like, I think when I ask, what do I want? And then I ask, well, why do I want that thing? And I found myself before in relationships or in business projects or in, you know, opportunities that any opportunity that comes up and there are so many beautiful things in the world and beautiful people, right? And I've met so many amazing humans and I've also been able to, if I'm truly being honest and authentic, there are some relationships where even though I can honor the beauty of the person, if I check in and say, why do I want this relationship? Is it just because I feel so inspired and I want to be around that person? Or is there something else attached that I think it's going to get me a network or I think it's going to get me this thing or that thing? If you're really honest with yourself and you go back to the, to releasing anything that you don't want just because you, it truly resonates with you and you trust yourself enough to like let go. I've even had that with some friendships, you know, where I was almost afraid to let go because they were great people. I know that feeling. Great people. And it just, but then I said, do I truly want it? Like, do I truly want all of this? And giving myself permission to say no and then trusting what shows up in return. 
And it's been a profound shift. And it's the same in the business. You know, I decided Sangha is going to be my masterpiece. It's going to be a work of art. If I'm not having fun and I don't feel like I'm creating art, it's still a business. I still have numbers and projections and, and plans. But if I'm not working with the colors and the sound and the light and the experiences and the emotions of all the people that come to me and and all of our practitioners that, that we're training on how to do the method and if it's not fun and exciting for them and it and it's not something that they could hang their hat on as like their life's work of art, let's change the parameters. Let's let go of what's not serving us and what feels like we're getting up to do it because we have to or because it's a job or it we should. You know what? I think it's really, like I'm, I'm curious because I know there's a lot of people probably listening who are terrified of the truth. Or terrified of admitting the truth that they've been with the wrong person for a very long time or that they spent eight years in school and now they're in this job and they don't like it. And what does that mean about themselves? And there's, there's, I know like for myself, my own life and many people that we both know that are, that are in that predicament. If you could talk to somebody who's in that space right now, who's sort of feeling this, they, they know that they maybe made a mistake or maybe they know that they weren't honest with themselves and they built this life. How does one even approach that without, because the, the fear of unraveling so much, right? The fear yeah. of like pulling one thread, like once you're honest with yourself in one area of your life, it sort of <laughs> just cascades across the rest. Like it's, it's spreads like wildfire. So like, you know, how would you communicate with somebody who's feeling that very real fear in their hearts and it's keeping them trapped in some ways? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I so many people that I connect with do struggle with that and they know they want this passionate life. They they understand what it might feel like to be passionate in every area or free or just you know, one of my practitioners uses the word delicious. Like life mm. is just so delicious and I just love her for that. And I think we we know that we want that, but sitting in the reality of, like you said, when you pull one thread and then the whole thing starts to unravel, it can be nerve wracking. And I think I had some experiences where I had made decisions that set me on my path previously. And so I would encourage people to start looking at when, where, was there ever a time where you made a choice that lit you up and it felt really good? Was there ever a time where you took a class or a workshop or did an experience or had a friendship that was just for you and it felt really good? And maybe sit with that for a moment and know that you have the capacity. I know that we might've made some wrong decisions or we're judging our decisions. You know, I think if I look, I had a, um, a business partnership with my sister and it didn't work out. We didn't have the tools at the time to run a really successful, supportive partnership in the ways that each of us really needed to be supported. And I judged myself for a long time and questioned like, should I be going into partnerships with other people? You know, can I really support people as a business owner in the way that they need to be supported? And and it took a lot of self-reflection 
And when I was able to come back a couple years later and we were healing that relationship and I really dove into all of the components, we would have never been able to grow together in the way we did because we grew up in the same family with the same beliefs, the same patterns, the same programming. And even though we operated differently, watching us grow after we separated and grow into our own authentic individuals and seeing her blossom and seeing me blossom and being free to be who we really were. Wow. I mean, it gave me so much perspective. And so I would encourage people to start looking at truly all those decisions that you thought were wrong. What did you really get out of that experience? And Stop looking at only the negative things that you're doing because I can guarantee you, you've had success. You've influenced someone. Even if you might have been judging the way that it came out, you've created a ripple, a chain reaction that has allowed each person to continue their growth path in your life. And and so that was really hard for me. I think one of the biggest relationships, my fiance and I, had been recreating our life and both of our foundations. Um, I jumped in and helped him restructure his company. And then I had to be honest with him and say, this isn't what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Like I loved jumping in with you and working together and we're both really powerful human beings, but technology isn't going to light me up. Like I'm a people person. I really need to create around people and experiences and And sometimes when we choose ourselves, it creates friction Mm -hmm. and trusting that friction and knowing we're both going to grow from this. And, and I had some supportive friends in, in my life that were able to say, yeah, he might be a little bit upset at first and he might not see your side of things and he might not understand why you need to follow this life path because you guys are such a power couple and you're doing so much together. And I was afraid of the identity that we created together. You know, we had this really super powerful presence together and, you know, we gave a Ted talk on our relationship and, and just all these things. And so when I was asking for that, that freedom to choose and, and something that I didn't have any idea of, I didn't know what Sangha was going to look like. I didn't know where I was going. In fact, like I said, I I went into college for interior design Mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that this isn't what I need to be doing forever and I need to step away. And as we started learning to co-create more honestly, we started thriving in our relationship and it wasn't always easy. You know, sometimes he felt like, I was leaving and and I wasn't showing up and and I felt guilty and I felt like, oh my gosh, how could I just leave you hanging when I committed to running these projects? And, and so I think that's where our minds get in the way. And if we come back to what does my body feel like it really wants? What does my heart feel like it really wants? And knowing that I'm a loving partner, I think we get confused in our relationships. And we feel like if I hurt this person's feelings, then I'm not a good partner or Mm -hmm. I'm not a loving partner or our parents. Right. 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 You know that. And I don't do well. Right. What if I hurt my parents and they feel like I don't love them anymore, but trusting and really checking in with yourself and going, do I love this person? Even if you're going through a breakup, do I love this person enough to like be honest about what I want and what I need? 
And if the answer is yes, and you really love them, then move forward in the space of love and still trust what you need and say, I'm doing this because I know I won't be happy and I won't be lovable if I sacrifice myself. I think that's so important to highlight. If you don't have a full cup, you can't give someone else your full cup. And I know it's really scary to think about what could that fullness even be? Mm-hmm. Like, can I, do I have that potential? Do I have that capacity to really make someone feel the way I want to feel? Do I have the capacity to feel that way? Right. And, and I think it's so brave and all of us, everybody listening, I, I know in some point, you said at some point in your life, we've made choices. We've made choices that we have been proud of. We've made choices because we chose ourselves. Mm-hmm. We made choices because they made our hearts light up. We made choices we bet and they were right. And even if they weren't right in the moment, even if they were mistakes in the moment, they probably led you down a life path that created something beautiful. I've started really in my life looking at every single thing in my life as a gift. It may just, mm. may just not come gift wrapped. Right? Life doesn't necessarily put a bow on everything, but just because it doesn't have a bow on it doesn't mean that at some point in time it won't blossom into something true. And just the same way that we live our lives with love and relationships and work and play and passion, we are the common denominators. And if we can learn to, to choose ourselves in a healthy way and to accept all of ourselves in a, in a healthy way and understand that you can't even be experiencing the good spectrum of life without knowing what the bad feels like. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't know what a good choice is until you make a bad one. You can't know what you want until you taste what you don't want. You can't even know you're in the light unless you spend some time in the darkness. And I think the duality of this experience, the spectrum of this, of this life is what creates the richness for us to choose. And when we're living in that choice, when we're living in that power, when we're living in that authentic vibration of our essence, of our being, of our light, we create a place where good and bad doesn't exist. It's just what's unfolding. It's I just... love that. I think that's so powerful. It's really interesting too that when we, you know, so many people have been through a lot and they disconnect from their body out yeah. of, oh my gosh, so much is happening. Yeah. And when we can actually reintegrate and fully wire to our bodies and our sensory system and experience the depth of every moment, even the duality that you're talking about, even the hard stuff is giving us a full experience of what we don't want Mm. and knowing. And so when I think when we repress, you know, we were talking about that connection to the body. When we repress the stimulation or the experience that we're having or, or the emotional experience or the connection, we also numb the direction, the signals. And those signals are so powerful. And so even knowing that the gift of the heart experiences is fully setting you on a path. And, you know, my mentor says like, this is all, it's happening for you. Yeah. <laughs> How is it happening for you? And so I think you're so right. Every day looking at things as a gift and it's really tough when you're in the moment and oh, it's not you're, feeling gifty. You're in the shit, it does not feel gifty. <laughs> it doesn't it, feel gifty. It feels like there's a lot of, like these, these smacks don't feel so nice. But I think that's, but that also comes with patience. Back to patience, right? Like when you give yourself the space to truly be in it. Like, I don't think our bodies would ever create an emotion that wasn't meant to be felt. 
Yeah. Like our bodies are intelligent, probably the most intelligent machines in the world. There's so many things we don't even understand about our bodies. And so if the body creates the emotion of anger, it's not creating it to hurt you. It may not feel easy to feel because we haven't been taught as a culture to allow anger to manifest. And we may create judgments and shame around the idea of anger or guilt or jealousy or anxiety. I mean, the whole range of emotions that have negativity sort of plastered on them. But our bodies are creating these things for a reason. Life is triggering these emotions in us for a reason. And if we give ourselves that patience and that space to simply feel it. Can we talk about that for a minute? Please. Let's dive into that. So there's a difference. And I like to teach people the difference between an emotional experience and an emotional pattern. Mm. I come from a family where sadness really wasn't a thing. We didn't cry. We weren't, you know, it was like the old phrase, I'll give you something to cry about. Are you going to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. We were allowed to be angry and frustrated and, you know, and so, and, and happy and excited. And we had a really exciting life as well. And so we had very high emotions. But if you look at um, like how people's nervous systems function, I was constantly in a pattern of intense emotional experiences. So I was always active. My nervous system was always revved up. I was either going from excitement when I was out exploring, adventuring, anything, or I was in frustration and anger because sadness wasn't okay. So when I was sad, I'd revert right to anger. And so when we look at emotional patterns, we want to unwind our patterning, same as our belief patterns. So if someone is stuck in an emotional pattern, we really want to unwind that and clear the body of any emotional response patterns. We want to rewire the nervous system so that they have choice. But anger itself isn't bad. If someone's actually been depressed and they've been in a really lethargic state, anger is a stimulant. It actually synergizes their system and it gives them enough energy to get out of depression. And so anger can be used as a tool to ignite someone out of this really stuck place. Yeah, for sure. It's fascinating. It's passion. Yes. Like, I mean, I found that like, when I'm angry, like, I'm also inspired. Especially like I came from a family of like, playing sports growing up. Lots of sports, very competitive. Mm-hmm. And I still remember like my angriest moments on the court created so much momentum not just in myself, but the people around me. When people saw me get angry, they got jazzed up. And you look at the, I mean, you look at the climate we're in right now with the, with the riots and with, with, with all the stuff happening out there, like anger incites this incredible courage and this incredible ability for people to step up and choose. It's allowing them to say, this isn't right. I don't yes. deserve to be treated this way. That's exactly right. And it's fascinating, but we want to judge like, oh, well, they shouldn't be acting angry. Well, there is a time and a place. And when people are being mistreated, that's actually a place for it. Yeah. And we can all do our part, right? I don't, I choose not to try try and create from anger and I'm not perfect at it, right? I like to use anger as a marker. As a catalyst. It's a catalyst. Yeah. And it gets me out of where I'm at, but then it gets me to look at what do I really want? Mm. And so I used to use anger for boundaries. And in my family, the only time anyone would leave you alone was when you 
They right. were angry. Interesting. So it created a pattern of if I want boundaries from someone, I need to get angry at them in order to ask for personal space. Wow, that's super Super aware. (laughs) So look at your anger, right? And if you can look at what is this anger really? What do I want out of this anger pattern? What is it giving me? What is it gifting me? Well, every time I'm angry, I get space. Okay, now that I have better relationships and more loving relationships, I can ask my fiance, hey, I don't want to get angry at you, but I really need some personal time. I want to support you in everything that you're doing. Can I take the day? And then we'll actually do like a date night tomorrow, mm. whatever that looks like, you know, but, but it's anger is so powerful and it serves us. Every emotion serves us. But once we know how it's serving us and why now we have choice of how to use it as a tool. You instead of that movie. Have you seen inside out? The, no. The Pixar movie? Oh, oh wait, is it about the emotions? Okay, yeah. I have. Yeah, it's like the best. Everybody watching, if you haven't watched this movie yet, like just listen to this episode and then go watch the movie because it's going to like put you all up in the feels. But I love the premise that each emotion has a role. And you know yes. what? Our emotions may not even understand that, right? Like, because we, everybody in my life is like, oh, work to be happy. Always try to be happy. Joyful, joyful, joyful. My mom just wants to be happy. She doesn't want to be anything else. Mm-hmm. If she feels a negative emotion, she runs away and she's like, nope, uh, let it go. Let's be happy. Constantly in the let it go, let it go, let it go. But what that's done is it's created a one-dimensional life. Mm-hmm. It's created a one-dimensional life where it's almost like she's living in the space of trying to recreate things that made her happy mm-hmm. instead of paying attention to what makes her feel in the moment. How many of us are living in the memories of what made us happy? Right. That job, that thing I did six years ago made me really happy. So I'm going to keep doing it for the next 20 years, even if I'm right now miserable and I'm drinking too much and I'm out there not, I'm disassociating from my life because at one point in life, that thing I chose made me happy. I think that's so powerful is to be present with, is it still making me happy? Yeah. I know quite a few people who are showing up in something that did make them happy years ago Mm -hmm. and- it's hard to admit when it doesn't feel that way anymore. I think it's hard to admit in relationships, in hardest. our jobs, in our businesses. Yeah. And it's like, when is when is it no longer, when are you no longer able to deny that it doesn't make you happy anymore, that you're not really showing up out of passion for anything, you know, any kind of experience? When is the point that you will be willing to set it down and like choose a different kind of happiness? And what's really important is like, just because you're getting present with it and choosing something else doesn't mean your life is going to get uprooted. It can, don't get me wrong, I'm a product of that, but like, it's simply giving you the choice to choose. I've been doing this thing for so long, it doesn't make me happy anymore. Can something else make me happy? Or can this thing make me happy in a different way? Can this thing show, can I show up differently towards this thing to where it can create a set of emotions. And I want to catch myself now too, because I'm using the word happy a lot. Yeah. Does this make me happy right now? I'm optimizing my life for joy, but that doesn't mean that I actually take that back. I'm not, I don't, me personally, where I'm at in my life, I'm not necessarily optimizing my life for joy. I'm optimizing my life to feel everything in the moment. I don't wow. want to run from anything anymore. Because I think that true freedom, true confidence, true 
momentum, true expansion, true pleasure comes from not having any negative emotion to fear. And if you can live your life being present in the shit and be present in the joy, mm-hmm. you're creating a life where nothing is going to break you. Everything's just going to keep making you more and more and more like yourself. I think it's funny that people fear desire and they fear, what if I choose this and then? And it's like, if it's coming from desire and it's coming from a true place of authenticity, it's there to light you up. Mm. It might, you know, the step out of the relationship or the job or the whatever you're, you're looking at leaving, that might not be the most comfortable move. But you're, if you're truly doing it from a place of authenticity, it's going to reward you. Like oh, yeah. it's putting you on this path of just magic. Your, your own path is just magical to you. So to fear it or to think that if I choose true, honest happiness, I might not be happy is kind of silly in itself. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a paradox. <laughs> it's right? a like paradox. I'm going to not feel happy right now because I don't think I can handle this happiness. <laughs> right. So, and, but, I, but, We've all been sold a Cinderella story, right? We've been sold this, like, do this this way, follow this rule, go down this path, be in this culture, live this way, and you'll be happy. And I just think that it's not giving enough credit. It's not giving enough credit to life and the unpredictability of it. If there's anything 2020 has taught us, it's that we actually have zero control over life, right? Like, we try to build these systems and these processes and this this framework that we need to live in in order for life to blossom and grow. But COVID shook that around, right? Like things are changing by the second. And I know my life is just expanding in ways I didn't even think it would be three weeks ago, but that's part of it. And I think by detaching ourselves from the Cinderella story, we get to create a truer story. And when we begin to crave truth, I think that's when, that's when life gets on fire. Mm -hmm. That's when, that's when it's like, okay, I'm not craving this idea anymore. I'm craving this moment. I'm craving me. I'm craving depth. I'm craving connection. I'm craving truth. I'm craving feeling. And we're bodies. We're meant to feel. Oh yeah. I think we're meant to feel. I mean, before I met you, I didn't really feel. <laughs> like, I'll be honest, like, like we met what in September, uh, September so. of last year and just being around you and being around the space and just having like our bodies are meant to feel so much more than our minds give us permission to. Yeah. I got into extreme sports for a while because I I lost feeling. I really was like having a hard time connecting in relationships. And, and so it sent me on this quest to feel more and more. But what was happening is the overstimulation, I was feeling less and less and less. And so that's really a big part of Sangha is reawakening the body and the sensory system and bringing us back to like experiencing everything in every moment, the taste, the sounds, the smells, the emotions, the, the experience so that we can live in full color and every moment is just juicy and delicious. And I went from one extreme where I just, I had to be like jumping out of an airplane or, you know, on a motorcycle to be feeling something to, sitting in a meditation and feeling and smelling and tasting and, and the world just lights up around you and the relationships. I feel so much in my relationships. I love so big. I never had the capacity to love like that before, before I could feel. So I mean, like, tell me, I would love to hear from you 
how have you been feeling more and like how have you been wiring more deeply into your life? It's been interesting. I've been going through a lot of changes in my life, as you know. Mm-hmm. And everybody has really been kind of shuffling on my life. Lots of changes in relationships and people and businesses. And it's created a lot of turmoil. It's created a lot of chaos. It's created a lot of life, for lack of a better word. I think that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Some days are great. I feel on fire. I feel inspired. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Other days I feel so heavy. I don't want to get out of bed. Other days I feel so in my feels and in my feelings and I feel so heavy and I like I'm carrying this energy around. But by giving myself the capacity to feel like the permission to feel both, I've increased my capacity to feel. It's profound because most people are terrified to feel that way. I, I mean, I sure as hell was, and I'm not going to say I'm perfectly embracing this life to the fullest yet. I'm (laughs) baby stepping my way in, but I think that capacity to feel is the metric to be optimizing for. Because when you can feel more, the things that traditionally would make you feel sad don't necessarily feel sad after a while. Mm -hmm. Like your capacity to feel, yes, you may, life may throw you a situation that allows you to feel lots of sadness, but no one goes through life unscathed. Right? right, The only truth in life is death. Every single person in life is going to experience someone dying. Mm-hmm. That's the sad truth, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a hard truth. So every single one of us are going to be pushed to a brink or we're going to lose a parent or we're going to lose a loved one or we're going to lose a friend. Yep. And we're going to be pushed to the utmost envelope of that sadness. Mm-hmm. But fearing that sadness and fearing our, fearing our ability to feel that emotion in that moment is not an excuse to not pursue the other side, Mm -hmm. the other side of desire and joy and look for the upper limit of pleasure in in, in every moment and what you can feel. And I think that's what I'm really learning now. It's that increasing my capacity to feel sadness is only increasing my willingness and and desire to feel the opposite. Mm -hmm. And no matter what life throws at me, because I know I won't go unscathed, I know I will feel and experience something that will break me and will mm-hmm. break my heart into a million pieces. But I know that I'll have the capacity to sit in it and feel it and be grateful for whatever I'm experiencing in that moment, experiencing the life in that moment, having the, the, the perspective to simply be fully mm-hmm. in every moment and not escape this life. And I think, yeah. I actually, it's funny. I had a friend, I have a really good friend who's going through a breakup and she came into the studio and, and was sharing some of it with me. And, you know, she said, I'm just, I'm going out and I'm, I'm trying to allow all the emotion. I'm trying to allow myself to cry, you know, when the kids aren't around or, or this or that. And and it's been really hard on their family. You know, I have a lot of compassion for what she's going through and they've tried to save things for a long time. And it's just not working. And and what I said is, you're still afraid that the sadness is never going to end. Mm-hmm. We can't possibly live in sadness forever. It's we're we're human beings. We're diverse, and we we need to be in a state of change. So, could you go into like the sadness or the anger or the resentment and go deeper, like? You're sitting in whatever wants to flow, and you're allowing the flow. But could you like? open the gateway and just pour the waterfall out, you know, like go outside by yourself or, or come in and hang out with me for a while and 
really go into it and like amplify what you're feeling and feel it deeply and be present for that experience because you gave this marriage so many years and you gave your kids so much time and you gave all of this and all of this is coming through and you're you're numbing it. You're pretending like it's not that big of a deal, but it was your whole life. Yeah. I think when we try to just get through something, if we really allow ourselves to like gush the experience, it's over before we know it. That's the one thing I'm really starting to learn. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent unless you stop yourself from feeling. If you don't allow yourself to feel what needs to be felt, it becomes permanent. It stays in your body. It manifests as grief, as depression, as sickness, as all the things that we don't want. And then we go after medicines and antidepressants and things that force us to stop us from even feeling more. Yeah. But if we just give our bodies the permission and the patience and the space to simply allow whatever the hell wants to happen and stop fighting it because we think we know better. We don't know better. Our bodies are running on so much data. Our subconscious minds are collecting so much data without us even knowing. For us to think that we have any idea of what's good for us in those moments is crazy. And I'm not saying we can't get better at knowing what's good for us. I'm not saying we can't learn to trust our bodies, but we can only do that if we surrender to the wisdom that exists inside of it. Yeah. And I think too, it's like finding a place where you can be safe and supported and our bodies, it's, it's a survival instinct. It's very primal within us, but we can't let our guard down when we're alone. We can't fall apart and cry in the jungle and lose our shit. And, and, and so our life really is like the jungle. And so sometimes a lot of people that I've seen try to go into their own healing by themselves and they try to feel all the feels, but it's not safe for us to cry alone or, or fall apart alone. And so I've had quite a few experiences, even personally, where as soon as someone is holding space for me, I can fall apart and I can let it all out and it's over before I know it. And it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to start training practitioners is so that I had people that could hold space for me on, you know, in our experiences. And, and it's just, it's not easy to let yourself heal alone. And so I would just invite anyone to know who has the capacity to love you through those experiences and know who has the capacity to hold space so that you can feel any emotion and that you can, you're you not made wrong and allow yourself a safe place to just fall apart for a minute and experience it. And then it'll be over before you know it. Yeah. And for any of my friends listening here, if any of my <laughs> friends or people that I love are listening to this, just know that I have the capacity to hold space for you. So if you don't feel comfortable asking me for help or asking me to just talk and hold space, I hope this, me saying this, is breaking that belief. I love that you mentioned community, and I think that's such a great bridge to having you talk a little more about Sangha, sort of what you're building and sort of how this space, like, I really, I mean, the community that you're building 
the community that you've built is so beautiful. I, I'm so blown away at the, the heart, the capacity of everyone in your community to create that space for others to simply feel and be human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why do you think, why do you think it's so hard for communities like this to exist? Like, I mean, in, I, I don't know a lot of communities that exist like this. And that's why I'm so excited about what you're building and how you're building it, because it's going to create this beautiful space for so many people to finally begin feeling again. But yeah. uh, so can you talk about the inspiration behind Sangha and sort of the community aspect and, and all of it? Yeah, I actually, so I started doing consciousness retreats about three years ago. My fiance and I, we experienced different different mentors, different guides, different space holders. And we found my current mentor and she really helped us understand how much belonging heals and how when people feel judged or excluded or like their experience isn't valid, they aren't able to, they get stuck in a loop. And it's one thing to learn about belonging It's an entirely different thing to actually create a community of belonging where you can show up continuously for other people who believe differently than you, who love differently than you, who experience the world differently than you, hold space for them. And so I think we got a lot of practice hosting retreats with her. And for me, my calling truly feels like the body as a path to consciousness. And so I invite people that really want to explore. Our studio is for exploring the body and and holding a very loving space of what's in our body and what releases when we move it. I take people on visual and musical art journeys in our studio and and we have smells and lights and colors and and all kinds of things but the true journey is into the self. And you know, when I move my body in this way, what emotions come through? When I move my body in another way, does joy, you know, what how does my body want to experience desire and passion and pleasure and how does it cultivate those things? And so it's really a safe space to cultivate the embodiment of your spirit, of your highest self. It's like you can come in and make all the wrong moves and no one's going to judge you, you know, and you can come in and experiment with what feels good to you without worrying how it will be perceived. And then the lights and the sound and all that just helps to rewire your neural network or your neural pathways. And so, so the big space itself is an exploration. It really is an exploration of, of who we are, what we love And I like to use an example of women have come to me lately talking about their sexuality and they have a hard time actually getting what they want or even asking. They're just terrified to ask for what they want in in a sexual experience. And so for me, movement and dance is actually a safe place to honor your body. What does your body want? How does it want to move? How does it want to behave? What feels good without having another person judging you, asking for what they need and what they want. And, you know, it's just, it's such an interesting part of our culture, but there's not very many safe places to 
explore what you truly want. And so for me, that's the thing. And then we also have, you know, one-on-one experiences where if people are doing really deep work and they want to look at things that shouldn't be done in a group setting, you know, that they really want a safe space held to go into their old places or old experiences and rewire, or they, they are looking to cultivate something on a much bigger level than then we have practitioners that hold space for that experience. And we use similar technology that will bring them into their super conscious mind and into their body and, and really rewire them for fuller experiences, if that makes sense. I mean, I guess I know anyone listening, it's really hard to understand this without feeling it. I'm a <laughs> byproduct of, of really sitting in the studio with, with Christy. And it's such a magical experience of like starting to love, appreciate, and just feel into the feel into the different parts of your body, like where you feel desire, what thoughts create desire where. Like it's such a nuanced feeling that's so individualized for different people. And I think it's beautiful work. So if someone wanted to sort of learn more about the Songless Studios, get in touch with you and sort of learn how they can maybe experience some of this magic for themselves, where would they go? How would that look? Yeah. So currently we have our studio in Utah. It's in Linden. And that's our, it's our pilot. So we're piloting this and we have plans to come to some other major cities. Yeah. So currently Utah is the place. We've got practitioners that do individual experiences popping up all over. So we have practitioners um, in sta- really all across the United States right now. So the best place to go is to our website. We do have some online practices currently where people can get um, a program called Spirit Embodied. And it really is like a ritual that brings you into yourself, into your body to discover what really lights you up. Mm. It takes you through movement meditation and it takes you through all these different places of the self. So that's a great place for people to start. We do have other ways of connecting virtually. Yeah. But our our practitioner program really is allowing other people to get the experience and to have space held. And so if you go to our website, there's information on that. And it's, uh, thank you for asking. It is Sangha, S-A-N-G-A, tribe, T-R-I-B-E dot com. Cool. And for everyone listening, we'll make all of these links available in the show notes and we'll also put Christy's social media up there. So if you want to thank her for this episode or anything that was discussed here, please reach out to her. I know she'll love that. Raj, Uh, I really appreciate. I just want to thank you not only for holding such a great space the way that you do, but also doing all of your work and the honesty. And, you know, we've done retreats together. We've done the deep stuff and it really gives you a, a big capacity to love others and hold others and, and acknowledge what they're going through when you have walked it and gone through it yourself. And I just, I see you showing up so big in every area of your life. And I think it's just making such a big difference for all of the people that you host and that you, that you support as well. So thank you. My heart's happy. I love you. Thank you for just being in my life. I'm so grateful for just everything that you embody and the way you show up. And that's a delight being your friend. <laughs> Thank you. I feel the same. Thank you so much for the friendship and and for having me and just connecting. It's Beautiful. really special. I got one last question for you. 
Okay. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Such a great question. For me, it really comes back to the body and learning to trust myself and knowing that I chose the human experience for a reason. I chose to show up in this human life, in this human body, even if it doesn't make sense right now, or there's lots changing and lots happening. This was my choice. And I know that I just love living. So whatever's coming, like come back to the body, come back to the knowing that I'm here for a reason and I'm going to keep showing up. And And I think that really is all it is for me is just checking in with who I really am and knowing that like, I didn't come here to be depressed. I didn't come here to get a bad hand. Like, like if if those things are coming, they're coming in a wave to teach me something because that I wouldn't sign up for that. You know, (laughs) no one would. Right. (laughs) Such a powerful reminder. And I really love that you said, I chose this body, which means that there's another aspect of you that's truly you. It's not the fears, it's not the beliefs. There's a deeper part of you, in essence, a soul, a higher, a higher self, part of you that's so bright and so loved and so loving that anything you have in your life, if it wasn't your choice, that doesn't mean you can't experience your way through it and you can't create through it and you can't love your way through it. And, ah, uh, I'm so grateful for that reminder. Christy, I love you. Thank you for being here. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> I love the, what this is all about. It's so great. Thank uh, you. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj, and this is your new friend, Christy. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.